Welcome to Whitefields Church Podcast. Our focus is to help you grow relationally, emotionally, and spiritually. I hope you enjoy the message. I uh, titled my message this morning, God's Overall Plan for Our Good. God has an overall plan, and a part of that plan is for you to experience the goodness of God. Um, Before I get into that too far, God has specific numbers he uses quite often. Have you noticed that? Like um, seven. Seven's a good number. Um, Seven days to create the heavens and the earth. Seven days of creation, um, 40 days, 40 days and 40 nights of rain, 40 days in the wilderness. Um, He has these three as a good number, and I'm going to focus on three, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one, the triune nature of God, and then there's you as three, body, soul, and spirit. Designed in the likeness of God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, body, soul, and spirit. He designed us in that way where we have three characteristics that we get to operate in in this dimension. Along with that keeping of three, the three specific things I want to look at this morning as far as experiencing the overall goodness of God for your life is to first of all believe, to secondly confess that belief and confess, and third, to live it out, act on it, make it operational in your life. The key, well, before I get down there, I better look at my notes. I have all these little notes. I, I could have completed this message. I make a confession. This morning, I could have spent a little extra time polishing it. But instead, I made paper airplanes with the kids. I think I used my time wisely. Uh, we will have... Um, Matt, check out the flyability of those planes later. Give them FAA approval. Oh, one thing I mentioned about numbers too, I like this one, I'll throw it out for free. Um, Servanthood, uh, on carnivore night, uh, we're going through servanthood, and one of the things that was brought up with was uh, Peter talking to Jesus about how many times... Must I forgive? (laughs) I love that. How many times must I forgive? It's not like, how many times do I get to forgive? How many times must I forgive? Seven times? He says, no, seven times 70, which is 490. And there's 490 years between the speaking of of Jerusalem being built and the given to the rebuilding of Jerusalem, uh, 490 years. So... There's all these complexities of numbers, but our number that we're focusing on today, what I want you to go away with is for you to begin to be a a victorious, essential, uh, believing 
active Christian is these three essentials. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, and then act it out in your life. Every problem and trial that we experience can fit into God's overall plan for our good. Now, before I go on, I want to say that again. Every problem, trouble, and trial that we experience can fit into God's overall plan for your good. With that in mind, I have these books that Pastor Peter and Janet Gallardo provided for us, and I'd like you just to offer those, not the one on top, not that one, yeah. Have you felt like giving up lately? I think everybody experiences that at points in their life. I just feel like giving up. It just hasn't been working for me. And then always, God somehow kind of breaks through, and you go, oh, oh. But it might not be very long before you feel like giving up again. And, and this book, let's go ahead and just make those available. If you would like that book, it's a gift from Pastor Peter and, and Janet for us. And it fits along with this message this morning. I think, yeah, go ahead and just pass them around. Take it if you want one. If you don't, just pass it by. Um, but one of the most... That most Christians, one thing that most Christians that we have in common, that we desire together in common, is to live a prosperous, victorious, and meaningful life. We may disagree on other things. We may have doctrinal differences uh, on minor things, maybe major things. Uh, do you understand that doctrine is actually um, an opinion about what you think about God? So we can have all kinds of doctrine. But I believe one thing we can all have in common is the desire to lead a, a prosperous, victorious, and meaningful life. I want my life to count for something. When I depart from this plane, when I depart from this earth, I want to know that something I left behind continues to the next generation and the next generation. To do that, I must prosper, not just financially. I know in America we think of prosperity, and I want to throw this in. Um, Bob mentioned how we support these missionaries for $100 a month, and they are full-time on that. God wants America's economy to stay strong so that America can continue to spearhead the work of evangelism throughout the world. Don't fall into the trap. I mean, it's at warfare for sure. There's a lot of battle going on, but God's desire for us to be blessed is so that we can give. God's desire for you to prosper and be blessed so that you can give. And so we all have that in common. We desire to be prosperous, so we have the ability to give. To be victorious, so we have the, the life that makes others lifted up as well. You see, when you are victorious in battle, you share the plunder.
And the key to this success and experiencing this victory and blessing in life is God's word. Learning, understanding his word and practicing it. Now, that's easy to say. How do I put it into application? How do I apply that into my daily living? How do I learn to practice the word? Everything we need to know about living a life that is prosperous and is blessed and is victorious is revealed in this word. It's revealed in this Bible. You don't have to go outside of it to... Find that one little trick shot. You know, no, it's all in here. Now all I have to do is read it, meditate upon it, and then do what it says. This book is the complete revelation of how to succeed in living a life that glorifies God. Okay, how can I cause God's word to do all this for me, you might ask. Again, believe it, begin to confess it, and then walk it out with patience. With patience. I find reading the Bible, we'll, we'll read this scripture in just a second, but I want to uh, preclude, whatever, I want to say this beforehand. Uh, there are times where I get so much out of just reading the word quietly to myself. I mean, certain things. And then there's times where I change the whole dynamic, I'll read it out loud. Even though I'm alone in my room, read it out loud, I can change the atmosphere. So the word of God is very powerful, and we'll get into that. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, well, first of all, uh, 3 John 2, the scripture clarifies this. 3 John 2, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. God is concerned for our inner man equally as he is concerned for your outer man. The outer man, it says, is perishing, but the inner man is being renewed day by day. So this scripture tells us, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospered. Now Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses two through six, it says this, you will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and your flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be blessed. 
Now, I encourage you to take that word and apply it into your daily life. Imply it into that moment when things are not going right. Apply it at that moment when you and your wife are not getting along or wives, if you and your husband are not getting along and he's just being a Neanderthal. Come on, guys, you know you can be Neanderthals. And you can apply it into your life and say, no, this marriage is blessed and I'm going to commit to it and I'm going to just tell my husband, my wife, my children who are driving me up the wall, I can tell them what wonderful blessings of God they are, speaking it out, and change the atmosphere. We can do great damage to little children. I'll tell you, uh, uh, one of the things that you can do in practicing the word as far as confessing, uh, making a confession, is encouraging children. Saw those videos. It, It captured my heart how they can just go out and just bring all these kids in. It's difficult to do that in America. You know, there's not all kinds of kids just running around on the streets that you can bring in and teach them about Jesus. And you can take one child, this is really on my heart, for us as a church to practice. You pick one child in your mind. And I've seen this work in my life on several occasions where it's really produced fruit. I know it always produces fruit. I'm saying there's a couple of times where I've been able to visually see the change. Uh, At one point in time, there was a little boy in our church, and he had a spirit of rejection on him. His mother had disappeared. No one knew. The father didn't care. The grandma brought him to church. He always had snot coming out of his nose. One of those kids. And he was a little bit irritating. Yeah, he's one of those a little bit irritating. And he always had, always had this pig snot. I, I was always kind of standoffish. I'm like, I don't want that on me. I even took the opportunity to get some Kleenex a couple of times and clean his nose, but it would be right back. It was just like... It was a spiritual thing that God was doing in me. Get it now. You may not think in those terms, but but I do. I I believed in hindsight. God made that there for my purpose. And uh, but along with it was the spirit of rejection, and that's not a visible thing. It's not something you really see, but it's something that if you're not careful and discerning. You will fall right into that and you'll reject that person or that child. And that person or that child is receiving at home, you dumbo. You know, why do you do such stupid things? What's wrong with you, knothead? I don't know what's being said at home, but don't say those things. They'll carry that with them their whole life. Think about it. There are things in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 90s, 120 back there, Um, (laughs) that if you made room for something that was said to you as a child that affected you adversely, it'll be there in a second. 
But affirmations about who you are in Christ will counter that. Affirmations about who you are to Jesus and to, to yourself will change that paradigm. Now, so this little kid, one day, God set up the opportunity, and he was just right there, and grandma was right there, and my heart broke. My heart just, something snapped in it, and I said, I can't do this anymore. Come here. And I hugged him big, and I said, God loves you so much, and so do I. You're such a wonderful blessing. You're such a powerful little man of God. And he's like beaming. We're at a grocery store right in front of the checkout sign, but it just struck me, and I did this. And he got up, and he's looking at me, and he had no snot on his nose. It was on me. I want to tell you about that kid today. He's a chaplain in the Navy. There was another little kid like that. He didn't have a runny nose. But I began to speak to him as a little kid. He brings it up all the time. But our pastor, when he was young, I said, you mighty man of God. And he remembers that to this day. Affirmation is so powerful. The words we speak have life. The word of God is sharp and powerful um, and living. They're alive. All right, where are we at? I've completely gone off on a rabbit trail. Okay, when you accept the Lord Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. And you begin a new life. But circumstance after circumstance requires operating the principles of God for that life to flourish, for true prosperity, true victory. Many Christians receive the Lord Jesus Christ and then never experience true victory in their lives. They live lives of discouragement. I had a a brother tell me not long ago, we were just chatting and He just kind of came out of left field with this, and which told me something's going on in his life. He says, well, we we all live lives of, of, uh, what was that he used? We all live lives of despair and discontent or something. And uh, I was like, no, we don't. (laughs) Let's talk about that. Let's talk about it a little bit. Oh. We all live lives of quiet desperation. That's what he said. You know, which I read as like what I said, interpreted by Mark. When you continue to apply these principles time and time and time again, you will begin to learn a new way of thinking and a new way of acting. It doesn't come overnight. It doesn't happen in a minute. And amazingly, you can leave that behind at any given time you want. First Peter, or Second Peter chapter one, uh, verse 1. Let me find that here. 
Oh, there it is. Where'd it go? All right, I'm there now. Second Peter chapter one, verse four. We'll back up to verse three. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Hold it. The word of God, believe it. Believe it. So let's stop right there and say, I believe this word. And this word says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Man, I just can't give up this. I just can't give up that. I'm struggling so much with this and that. Go back and start to confess the scripture if you believe it. Don't confess it if you don't believe it. Confess it because you believe it. Because it says, out of our mouths, we will begin to eat the fruit of our lips. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't like black, moldy bananas. Just not me. I barely like them when they're fresh. But I will eat a fresh one. But my words can produce, for me, black Soft, soggy, moldy bananas, and that's what I'm left with. Or it can leave me with victory and life and and enjoyment. Now let's read on. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. I have everything I need for living a godly life. Say that. Good job. Now believe it. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises, promises that enable you to share, I love this, his divine nature. And escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Oh, I just can't give up this. I can't get victory over that. Oh, man, I just can't get over the hump financially. Yes, you can. And you can be a partaker and share in his divine nature and escape all those things. I can escape poverty. I can escape bad thinking. I can escape, you can escape a a bad personality. Some of us need to work on that. We can escape. We were talking about this the other night at the the uh, men's carnivore. Uh, if if you don't want to sing loud because you don't feel you have a good voice, 
Sing loud anyway. If God doesn't like it, he'll change your voice. And he'll make you a partaker of his divine nature, which I think probably has a pretty good sound to it. God has a good voice. Practice the word. In 1 Samuel 17, we see the story of David and Goliath. I believe this is a great example of using the word and confessing the word. Now, when David went up against Goliath, he wasn't quoting scripture. But after he spoke it, we find it in the Bible and it's used as scripture. The words we speak put us into a, either a false reality or a true reality of the kingdom. We can be speaking along and produce for ourselves a completely false reality that has nothing to do with what God's overall plan for you of goodness. And here's David. He comes into the situations. He, he sees Goliath, this giant, has all of Israel in fear. They're all like 40 days. There's a number again. 40 days he has intimidated all of the army of Israel. And David comes in. And what has David been doing? Meditating on God's goodness. Meditating on the scriptures as, that, that were available in, at that time. Meditating on the goodness of God. And he comes in, he's filled with faith. You see, meditating on God's word fills you with faith. He comes in, he's filled with faith. He says, this isn't right, what this guy's doing, defying the armies of the living God. And uh, so they try to dress him up in a worldly fashion and send him out. Well, you know, if you're going to die, you might as well die in fashion. <laughs> in the dress of the day, go ahead, here, wear my armor. He's like, no, these have not been tested. What has been tested is my faith. That's what he's saying. What has been tested is my faith. And I know my skill set. And I know what I'm capable of. And he goes out and he says, who are you to defy the armies of God? And he is immediately challenged in that. Immediately. Come here, you squirt. I mean, he used different words, Goliath, but I'm, I'm modernizing it. Come here, you squirt. I'll crush you and turn you into a grease spot. And he says, I don't come to you with sticks. I don't come to you with swords and spears. I come to you by the power of the word of God. I come to you by the power of the faith that God's been working in my life and I speak the word accordingly to you and then he put it into action. He didn't timidly... I saw a movie one time of David and Goliath and David's kind of cowering around trying to get a right shot. I don't think it was like that. He said, I'm coming at you and he nailed that guy right in the forehead and down he went. That's what happened. He wasn't messing around. He had the word of God firmly in his heart. He had all of his faith. Either I stand or God's taken me with him, but I'm going and I'm doing it. 
And he acted on that word, and Goliath fell, and there was great victory. David went on to be king. Another great one is Gideon, another good story. Gideon's threshing wheat, hiding from the Midianites because they've been keeping them in uh, poverty and bondage. And so he's hiding, trying to save a little wheat, feed his family. And God sends an angel to visit him. And the angel speaks to him. And the angel, the first thing he says, mighty man of valor. Now get this. You got somebody in your life. You got a kid in the church that's annoying to you. Not everybody's annoying, but they might be annoying to you. Or you got a person in your life. Or you got, you know, someone that you work with, a coworker, uh, you know, whatever it might be. You kids, maybe it's your parents. So listen up. You're not exempt from this, kids. You turn the tables on them and tell them what wonderful, mighty, powerful parents they are in God. You try that on them next time they're mad at you. Thank you so much, Mom. You are such a wonderful, mighty, virtuous woman of God. It's going to change things. And then she'll say, but still go to your room. So... Thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon had not done what David did. He was not already pre-filled with faith. He was pre-filled with uh, trying to survive. Just trying to survive. How many Christians trying to survive? I encourage you to read that. It's found in Judges chapter 6, story of Gideon. But eventually, that word of affirmation from God, God's word will do the same for you. It will begin to penetrate and pierce your heart, and it will begin to divide. It says it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It can divide between bone and marrow and soul and spirit. See, and it can take you and begin to build you up into that spiritual being that brings you into a real, not a false reality, but a true reality of the kingdom of God. Okay, you with me so far? Everything fits together, I believe. God has an overall good plan. Let me rephrase that. God has an overall plan, and it's good. He has a plan for you. Even in the midst of your difficulty, even in the midst of your trial, even when things are not going right, do not vary from that belief that God is good, and he has a plan for your life, and speak it out. And then to begin to walk forward. How do I walk in faith? How do you walk in faith? One foot in front of the other. That's how you walk in faith. One foot in front of the other, you walk it, and it becomes your reality. Now, here's what we're going to do. You're going to have somebody in your mind. I don't care who it is, but pick somebody. I prefer, I really want to put, emphasize our children. 
Find one of these little kids, not just the one that delights your heart all the time. That's good too. But you know, one that's ornery. Uh, we, we had loaned our church out to uh, another church at one point in time. And there was one little kid that had gotten a pair of shoes with black heels and they would leave scuff marks. And he was into that scuff, man. We found him on the linoleum. We found it on the wall. And I saw that little guy one time and I said, hey, those are some pretty nice shoes. Look at all those scuff marks they're leaving. Aren't you such a blessing? <laughs> He's like, I don't think he ever did it again. We have the power to speak life. Or we have the power to speak death. Speak encouragement. We're called to encourage one another. We're called to lift one another up. We're called to have our mouths filled with the word of God, you know, which is life. Speak life, speak faith. Speak faith pictures. I have faith for you, you little man of God. You know, maybe my faith was a little bit like, you know, I have faith that you'll quit doing what you're doing. But his is like, wow. And then he hears in Sunday school the story of David, the story of Gideon, and he hears these things. They're all added together. And pretty soon, out comes this person, this young lady with a powerful gift, this young man with a tremendous gift. In whatever direction of life they go, they'll be filled with that faith. Speak life into others, speak faith into others, encourage one another daily. And say just on occasion when you feel like it, daily. Let's all stand. We're going to have the worship team come up. Pastor Vic, you want to come and close? Thank you for joining us today. Please make sure to subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit our website, whitefieldsalaska.com. Thanks again for listening, and may God bless you today.